0: I invite you to open up your service booklets to our gospel reading this evening, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and I apologize, there's 14 verses there, but I'll briefly go over the full 20 verses, and I'll be moving fast, so fast through these verses, so if you have Bibles, I encourage you to open up the Bibles and let us give our attention to God's Word, both By ear and eye. But first, let us pray. Most Divine Majesty, we humbly plead for your mercy as we study your word. Make us to learn, read, mark, and inwardly digest. Make us to see you for who you are as the King of Kings. Make us to see what kind of King you are. Make us to be made humble sincere and joyful witnesses like your lowly shepherds and lowly handmaiden. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. The nativity of our Lord begins not with once upon a time, But with hard and real facts, like in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, or in verse two, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, hard and real facts. This earthly decree, which was issued and executed on behalf of the emperor, gives witness of another kind of decree that happened long ago, even in eternity. It was a decree that flowed from the manifold wisdom of God. It was his sovereign, wise, and good decree that the Son of God would come into the world and be born at a specific time, at a specific place, and in a specific way to accomplish his work of redemption for his people and to save them from their sins. These facts are not only persuasive. Sure, they show us That this is not a make-believe story, but a real story. A real story that coincides with real human history that can be confirmed. And this is important, isn't it? It should encourage us, it should strengthen our faith. That these facts, first and foremost, reveal to us who Christ is. After all, he is compared with Caesar of Augustus. The most powerful man on the planet, whose name literally means the supreme, sublime, majestic one. The true Augustus one was the one who was in the manger because there was no room for him in the inn. The true Augustus one is him for whom the world did not welcome Before Christ is revealed as the suffering servant, he is revealed as the supreme, sublime, majestic one. He is the king of all other kings. He is the son of God. So as we celebrate our Lord's birth, we would do well to start where the evangelist Luke starts. And that is who this Christ child is. For he is the supreme, sublime, majestic one. He is God in the flesh. He is sovereign. We are not the center of the solar system. No, he is. He is the son of God. He is the king over all other kings and dominions. He is sovereign. He is salvation. He is good news. You see how these facts contrast the reigning powers of this world With the reigning power of Christ. Caesar Augustus demands attention from the whole earth. And requires everyone to be registered. Christ demands attention from heaven and earth. And requires all to come under his rule and reign. Quirinius, the governor of Syria, gives witness of Caesar's power. But lowly shepherds, powerful rulers, and heavenly hosts give witness of Christ's power, the reign of Christ is contrasted with the reigning power of this world, and the reign of Christ is affirmed by heaven and earth. We read in verses four and five of how Joseph went to Bethlehem to be registered because he was of the house and lineage of David, and that he took Mary with him, who would give birth to the son of God. You see, the hidden hand of God was ordering hearts and minds for his perfect plan. In verses 10 and 11, we read that an angel of the Lord appeared to lowly shepherds in that region, keeping watch over the flock by night and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, The Lord, these lowly shepherds, were one of the first witnesses of Christ's birth. Why? Because Christ reigns over heaven and earth and brings good news for all people. Not just privileged, but all the people. And in a few verses below, we read that the angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praised God by saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, heaven and earth give witness to Christ's reign and rule. Christ is supremely powerful, and we see it right here in this nativity. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not only does our Lord's nativity reveal his power, that he is the King of kings, it also reveals what kind of king he is. It reveals his character. We're told in verse 7 that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. This is the king that enters and exits the world. How? In humiliation. As one scholar describes, he entered the world wrapped in rough bandage-like strips of cloth and placed in a niche of a rock used as a feeding trough. And he exited this world by crucifixion on a cross of shame. But through God's great wisdom, he desired that humiliation be balanced with glory and exaltation. And so his departure was not by crucifixion alone, but was by resurrection and ascension to his heavenly father. You see, he stirred up his power for a glorious work, just as we were reminded in the service this morning. And his humble birth accompanies a great and a strange glory, too, with lowly shepherds invited to rejoice And celebrate his arrival with heavenly hosts appearing and singing the final song of Christ's advent. The first was Mary. The second, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. And now in verse 14 of our passage, the multitude of heavenly hosts. What we know as Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Which is rendered today in this service on Christmas Eve as angels we have heard on high. The humiliation and exaltation of Christ draws all people to himself. Some come, however, in enmity, but others come in adoration. And so I ask, how will we come to the remembrance of Christ's nativity? Will we come in humility as he has come to us? Will we believe that he is the Christ who, by humiliation and exaltation, he gives good news and great joy? Like Christ, will we be exalted by being humiliated? Fear not, the angel says in verse 10, instead of saying, peace be with you, he says, don't be afraid. You see, nothing is more common in the human experience than to be afraid especially when confronted with the glory of God. And there's good reason to be afraid, isn't there? But if we are to ever walk in obedience, then fear must be overshadowed by faith. You see, fear makes us to cower and to hide. Faith makes us to act bravely and boldly and to walk obediently. Do we believe that this is the one who has overcome the world? Are we willing to leave everything behind and come to this one who is the long awaited Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One? If we are to take heart and to have courage to leave everything behind and see this one who is the sign of good news and great joy, then we must be lifted from humiliation to exaltation. This is the way, beloved. After hearing the angelic announcement and heavenly multitude of praise, the lowly shepherds' hearts were lifted from fear to faith. And they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. How better off would we be if we frequently heard the announcement of good news And frequently praise God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We can be sure that if we are to join the company of those greatly rewarded shepherds, if we are to leave everything behind and worship the Savior who has come to the world, then we must regularly hear the announcement of Christ's good news and praise God in the highest. How else will we see the kind of king that he is if we not stoop as he stooped and if we not be lifted up as he was lifted up? Let us know our neediness that we might hear good news of great joy. Let us pray for humility that we might be exalted unto him and see the kind of king for whom he is. You see, the nativity reveals Christ's power. And it reveals Christ's character. And lastly, it reveals the joyful and sincere witness that every true Christian must possess. Here we are given two witnesses. The shepherd's witness and Mary's witness. We're told in verse 17 that when the shepherds arrived and saw this child, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning This child, they told everyone they knew they were heralders of good news, evangelists proclaiming the goodness of God. They could not keep it to themselves. It was like a burning in their bones. They had heard and seen the good news. And when they returned to their flocks and homes, we are told that they returned. How? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, we may surmise that as shepherds, they were not privileged, but impoverished and marginalized and afforded little respect in society. But now salvation has come to them. They had heard and seen it with their own eyes and ears. God had revealed it to them. They were made significant and they were given salvation. They had a story to tell. The great witness of the Messiah's arrival went forth first from lowly shepherds. They shared it to their families and friends and acquaintances. Christ's arrival was not first told in palaces or courts or even synagogues, but in a stable, in fields, on roads. And in homes, see the humble yet exalted majesty of God. He chooses to use the lowly, the poor, and the insignificant to save. These shepherds did not seek to bring good into the world by position or strategy. No, all that we are told is that they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. If we are to be like these shepherds, then we must humbly hear and see the Christ. Only then may we glorify and praise God in a way that causes us to fulfill our course in this life. Yes, let us pray, God, give us that heavenly joy regardless of the cost. Make us humble that we might be exalted For his glory. Let us pray this. But what about Mary? We are told that she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's not opening her mouth and telling people of what she has heard and seen and given birth to. No, she is treasuring them and pondering them in her heart. God chose her to be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God, he had called and prepared her for this task. She was not to make him a spectacle, but was to nurture him and to mature him in his calling. So her witness is not free like that of the shepherds, but careful and cautious and focused on providing, protecting, and nurturing her Lord and Messiah. But we must not think that she had not a joyful and sincere witness. For only a chapter before did she sing her song of praise. And now she has given birth to the Son of God. And we can only imagine how strange her feelings must have been. Deeply humbled, yet profoundly joyful. She must have pondered these things when she took Jesus to the temple eight days after giving birth. When he was a budding teenager and found in the temple amazing teachers and scholars, She must have pondered these things. As she cooked for him and cared for him, she must have pondered these things. She must have pondered these things as she wept at his crucifixion at the foot of the cross. She must have pondered these things until she discovered that he rose from the grave in triumphant exaltation. Child of God, like Mary and like the shepherds, let us give witness to the coming of Christ by treasuring and pondering these mysteries for which Christ has revealed. Let us never rest until we know that we have heard and seen Christ. And by knowing him, let us rejoice and tell everyone of the good news and the great joy for all the people. For he is the supremely powerful king who dwarfs all other rulers and dominions He is a different kind of king whose character is humble, yet glorious. And he is the one who gives sincere joy to those who truly hear and see him. The good news of salvation, the son of the Most High. Amen.